Hey, so welcome back to another ESL podcast. Man, I'm your host, our studio as usual, and today we have ourselves a very good reading. Well, it's a listening. Guys, it's all about adapting or dying. Remember I talked to you guys about the whole blockbuster thing, right? Well, we're going to talk about that. Not only that, we're going to speak about Fresh and Easy in terms of Tesco being the number one leading retailer in the UK, but it looks like they are officially about to be bought out and brought here to Thailand, although they have been here for Thai, you know, they have been here in Thailand for a very, very long time already. Borders, I'm not exactly sure about Barnes & Noble. Now, I remember Borders was a very popular bookstore probably back between 2004 and 2007, as well as Barnes & Noble. Uh, but, you know, these places have taken significant hits. And you know what? I'm just going to have you guys listen to this so then we can have an understanding and have a nice little chat after. Because you know I am just full of chat. So, without further ado, let's get into this. Adapt or die. One. Each year. Thousands of companies find themselves struggling to survive in an ever-expanding marketplace. While the majority of these are small, local businesses or new companies unable to get a foothold, some large, well-established companies have been known to fail. In this article, we evaluate the actions, or inaction, mm. of three multi-million dollar companies that ended in failure to assess where they went wrong. Damn. Here we go. Blockbuster. Two, Blockbuster, an American-based video rental chain, was founded by David Cook in 1985 and quickly established itself as a key player in the market. Two years later, Cook sold the business for $18.5 million, and by 1991, when it was sold to Viacom for $8.4 billion, it had established itself as the biggest video rental chain in the world with thousands of stores across the globe. Three. A key element of Blockbuster's business model, and one that would eventually lead to its downfall, was its inflexibility on late return penalties. They accounted for around 16% of its revenue in 2000, but were hugely unpopular with customers. Mm. It is often claimed that when Reed Hastings was issued a $40 penalty for the late return of Apollo 13 in 1997, he was inspired to found Netflix, an online DVD mail-order rental company and direct competitor of Blockbuster. Damn. Sentence one. So popular was Netflix's offering that in 2000, Hastings proposed a partnership with Blockbuster, which the latter, perhaps mistakenly, declined. Four. At the turn of the new millennium, Blockbuster began to lose its market share, with a 75% drop in market value between 2003 and 2005. Netflix's service had begun to attract attention, not only among innovators, but also among early adopters of new technology whose positive word of mouth influenced less tech-savvy consumers. As confidence in the business grew, its popularity increased, and it diversified into the streaming market. In 2004, Blockbuster launched its own online subscription rental service, abolishing late penalty fines the following year. Too late. Too late. 
Sentence two. When an advertising campaign that was criticized for misleading customers on the content of the new policy led to several lawsuits, Damn. the company's collapse looked increasingly likely. After internal wrangling, the CEO was replaced in 2007, and while his successor, to his credit, looked to streaming as a new company strategy, heavy debt resulted in the company's bankruptcy in 2010. Uh-huh! Fresh and Easy. Oh my God, I know Fresh and Easy. Tesco is the leading retailer in the UK oh and God, one of the Fresh largest retailers in the world. In fact, in 2007, it was reported that one pound in every seven spent in Britain was spent at a Tesco branch. Wow. Sentence three. Having successfully diversified into markets such as Poland, Japan, and Turkey in the early 2000s, Tesco turned its attention to the U.S., a country where consumers are used to driving to large supermarkets to do their shopping, receiving personal attention at the checkout, and getting takeout when busy. After two years of research, wow. the company identified the potential for a store based on the Tesco Express model in the UK, i.e. a convenience store with self-service tills located in local neighborhoods, yep. selling fresh food and ready meals at reasonable prices. Oh, wow. I remember that. Six. Tesco launched Fresh and Easy in 2007. Mm-hmm. Although the name was meant to represent the supermarket's green ethos, a notion exemplified by its solar-powered warehouses and electric vans, customers found it easily forgettable. And by April 2008, reports suggested that the sales were far lower than projected, something initially denied by the company. Sentence four. This was because the majority of its stores had been built in working-class neighborhoods, and sales were significantly affected by the subprime mortgage market. Mm. Consumer spending was down, and 13 outlets were forced to close due to falling populations and the outflow of migrant workers. In April 2009, Tesco announced that although sales had risen from the previous year, Fresh and Easy was operating at a trading loss of $142 million. In a bid to maximize profits and cover high infrastructure costs, Tesco announced rapid expansion plans. In 2012, with losses now at $1 billion, all planned store openings were canceled. And the following year, all 200 operational Fresh and Easy stores were sold. I remember Fresh and Easy. That is amazing. Borders. Whoa. Seven. The Borders Bookstore was founded in 1971 by brothers Tom and Louis Borders. Graduates of the University of Michigan, the brothers developed an inventory system that allowed them to tailor each store's offering to demands of the local community. The brand became known for its big stores, large variety of books, and knowledgeable, dedicated staff. And along with Barnes & Noble, came to dominate the bookstore market in the U.S. in the early 90s. Eight. Near the end of the decade, Borders attempted to diversify from its core business, investing heavily into the CD and DVD market. Ooh. Sentence five. I'll explain that later. It focused its attention on creating a Barnes & Noble e-reader. 
Meanwhile, Borders, rather than developing its own online presence, chose to team up with Amazon, Ooh. redirecting their own customers directly to the burgeoning, less expensive online retailer. Nine. By 2004, Borders had over 1,200 stores across the U.S. Sentence six. However, 2006 proved to be the company's final profitable year, and increasing losses over the next five years led to the sale or closure of all wow. overseas operations. In an attempt to recoup sales, Borders terminated its deal with Amazon in 2007 mm. and launched its own website the following year. In 2010, it opened an e-bookstore on its website, allowing customers to download books to their devices. However, by 2011, Borders had become financially insolvent and filed for bankruptcy. Wow, so much. Okay, first and foremost, Borders went for short-term economics rather than the long-term. In an attempt to recoup sales, that means in an attempt to get money back. And guys, just think about this. 2006 was the final profitable year, increasing losses over the next five years. Now, in 2006, it was the last profitable year. So why would Borders terminate in one year with Amazon, because you have one bad year. So in 2006, you were the, you were doing well. You still profited well. But then in 2007, you said, ah, forget it. What do you mean? Guys, you canceled a deal with a now trillion dollar company. That's where you went wrong. You think, oh, let me cancel this deal and let's do our own thing. No. Because guess what? For the next five years after that, 2007, bad year, 2008, 2009, 2010, ebook, and then by 2011, you closed down. They messed up. They went for short-term economics. You had a profitable year, 2006. It was going well. Now, unless you had a powerful team backing up a systematic approach to putting your website online and contending with, well, uh, there weren't that many people shopping for books online. But again, my first time I bought a book was The Hobbit online 2004 through Amazon. So again, if they were working in, in affiliate with Borders, Borders had to profit from that, right? I guess not. Oh, Borders, you went wrong. You shot yourself in the foot. And that's how you guys got terminated. It's a damn shame. But you know what? How can you learn from it? That's the most powerful message. So if we look at this one, Tesco. Okay, so I was talking about Tesco, how they're, you know, out here in Thailand, et cetera, et cetera. But fresh and easy, guys. I used to finish work. I used to work at a place. Oh, my God. What was the name? Uh, I used to take that bus, too. Uh, I forgot the name of that bus. Mm-mm-mm. Was that Decatur? Because I used to, oh my God, I forgot what street that place was on. Oh, well. But anyways, I used to take this bus. And when I got off the first bus, I would get onto another bus. Now, of course, these buses in Las Vegas are atrocious. Every hour they run. Pathetic beyond belief, right? Uh, not all of them. Okay, and routes and other routes, they run every 15 minutes. But 15 minutes is actually pretty long, too, for a bus. In Thailand, okay, I, if I wait for 15 minutes, I get really angry. 
because there are thousands of buses on the road. I shouldn't have to wait for anything. And there are five buses, five buses per route. But anyways, we'll talk about that another day. So there was a fresh and easy on that corner. I would walk in. And like you said, it was a green, it had a green ethos and, you know, the solar, solar power warehouses. And that's what the image was of this place. Not that many people would go in there, but they had very quality food. I remember going in there. It was all self, you know, you could do it all by yourself. Just like uh, Kohl's. Uh, yeah, Kohl's out there in Australia. This was nine years ago. They already had this self, uh, what is it, your self-checkout nine years ago. Guys, America probably just got self-checkout maybe four or five years ago. Okay, 2013, there's no such thing as self-checkout because they're afraid of people stealing and putting stuff in their bag that they don't ring up, unfortunately. I mean, you know, there's not much trust that goes on. But anyways, fresh and easy. I bought things from there a couple of times. And the food was quality. And they would put it in, this, in these middle-class neighborhoods. So the bus I would get off and take another bus down, my mom would meet me there at that bus stop. And I'm like, okay, mom, I'll meet you there at this time. She's like, okay, we'll shop at Fresh and Easy. I'm like, okay. But that was back in 2010. By the time I came back from Australia in 2012, Fresh and Easy was no more. It went down that quick. Why? Well, I'm not going to blame it on, of course, the mortgage, the, subprime, the, you know, the subprime mortgages, which I discussed a while back uh, in the economic, the great economic crisis. Well, this economic crisis right now is far greater than that one. Um, but I remember there was a fresh and easy. It was doing well, 2010, two years after that great financial crisis in a neighborhood, in a somewhat middle class, I wouldn't say middle class neighborhood. It was probably just above lower class, right? Uh, middle class, it'd be probably a couple of streets upward. That's more of a middle class neighborhood because you can see the houses, you can see the different cars that are driven around, et cetera, et cetera. You cannot put a fresh and easy in a more poor neighborhood because it just would not do well, right? Um, again, they wouldn't build, they wouldn't bring Louis Vuitton and Coach and Chanel to uh, 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 smaller provinces by the name of Sudan, Buridam, Royette, because of course there aren't big home run hitting people out there. They're normally in Bangkok. You would get some shoppers and overseas travelers in Phuket. You guys get what I'm saying? So Fresh and Easy didn't do well. And this is why I think Family Mart's going for a massive takeover. Someone's taken over Family Mart. And I love Family Mart before COVID because Family Mart was a place that you could pick up some pre-cooked meals in the morning. I'm talking about they would cook this food every single day. And it would just sit there. You could buy it. And then I would take it right up to my place. It's only 55 baht, less than $2. Perfect. You get an egg, rice, and chicken. But then COVID came, factories got shut down. They no longer have that. So whoever develops and says, you know what? I think, uh, you know, I used to love those pre-cooked meals, man. How can I do this? How can I beat out Family Mart now? Because Family Mart's no longer providing. See what I mean? Guys, either you adapt or you die. I realized, especially when COVID came, and I'm going to start preaching now. This is my preaching moment. You know what I mean? Because you guys are now all advanced listeners. So I could preach it just a little bit. But when COVID came, I had to get creative because I knew that my, my, my Bangkok, Thailand money would be no more. You know, of course, given the fact that I work at a, a, you know, a job where the guy doesn't think that much. He doesn't think outside the box. I told this other guy, 
the other people that I was working with at the beginning of April or at the end of March, guys, you need to take this online because this is going to be for the next three months. Sure enough, it was for the next three months. And did they take it online? No. So how many language centers shut down out here in Thailand? Probably between 30 and 60%. A lot of them completely collapsed. But the thing is, they didn't collapse because of COVID. They collapsed a long time ago. Poor management, poor asset management. So in saying that, before COVID, I had to get creative. And I said, you know what? It's either I adapt or I'm going to die. I need to figure this out as soon as possible because if not, it's going to be a big problem. And so I knew these business partners for the longest and they said, okay, listen, we're going to do this. Okay, we're going to shift to online. We want you to make these videos. We want you to start developing the curriculum. Okay, listen, we're opening an office in another province. We're going to take all of Northeast Thailand and all of the Northern uh, students. Okay, so they're no longer going to come to Bangkok to take these specific test preparation courses. They're just going to stop off in Korat because we are the gateway. I said, that is a brilliant idea. And guess what? While everyone else completely collapsed and they're just hoping that these clients and these students are just going to end up coming back in when the doors open again, which is completely way out of the question. No, no, it's not going to happen. But the ladies... And the women who I was talking to, I said, uh-uh, I'm with you guys. I know how this is going to get. Listen, you guys just have to push it, push it, push it. And so they did. And now everything amplified just like that. And so now I'm going to be moving to good old Thailand very, very soon. These trains are packed again. Oh, my God. But anyways, I'm going to be like moving to Thailand. What am I talking about? Moving to a place called Korat. And I'm going to live in two places. So, of course, there I'm probably going to live there for the remainder of June. And then the time, by the time July comes around and if I get a notice saying, hey, we've opened back up, I'm like, yeah, but you guys won't have any students for the rest of the year for sure. So I'll work there only two weekends a month and I'll do two weekends online. That's all I could give you guys because I'm not going to sit around making that ridiculous money because you guys did not help me in March, April, and barely even May. I'm going to do what's best for me. Thank you for the visa. Thank you for the work permit. That's called adapting. Because if I did not adapt, if I did not develop that relationship, which was literally four years of relationship with these two women who ended up opening up shop, they gave me a significant amount of money in both March, April, and May. Just imagine if I hadn't developed that relationship, what would have happened? You see what I mean? This is why it is very, very important, people, to get very creative and to adapt to the markets that are out there. Because if you believe and your ego gets in the way, oh, that's not going to happen. There's no way that this is going to happen. People thought Alexa devices would never happen. People thought podcasts were ridiculous. People thought YouTube was garbage. People thought YouTube was terrible. I remember in 2008, I was like, what's YouTube? My, my sister would watch these crazy videos. And I remember I would follow, follow a girl by the name of Vinay. If Vinay kept and continued doing her videos, she had 50,000 followers in 2009. And then she just stopped everything. And it's a shame because she could have had up there with Lily Singh, who's one of the most popular YouTubers in the world right now. So again, hey, if you don't adapt or you just give up, just know that things might come back. And you don't want to be on the other end saying, oh, what if? 
So I hope you guys learned something from this ESL podcast today, man. We're getting into the businessy stuff, aren't we? Guys, we got so much more that will be coming, so make sure you tune in. And as always, I'm your host. I never do podcasts this late, by the way. So you could probably, or you may, pro- oh my God, these trains are packed. So anyways, you guys may hear that I am a little bit, what is it? My energy is just a tad low because it's damn near seven at night. But I told myself, I said, man, I must do something, you know, because if I don't do anything, today was the biggest failure in humankind. So here I am today. And guys, with that being said, thanks for tuning in to another ESL podcast. Stay tuned for more. Over and out.